You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on a game day here for New Orleans, game two of their first round series between the Portland Trailblazers and the Pels. We got a lot to cover in this one. We're looking at adjustments in today's game. We don't need to do a traditional preview since these two teams played just on Saturday, but now what changes get made from either side and how might the chess game start to unfold? I'm going to tell you guys what it'll be like for the Portland Trailblazers, for the Pelicans, how each team's going to try and counter what the other did in game one and get you guys set for game two because this is going to look very different than what we saw on Saturday night. And also, let's talk about Boogie for a moment. Some stuff came out yesterday. We had a bit of a weird kerfluffle, I guess is maybe the word. God, that's a terrible word. I don't want to use that anymore. Out on Twitter. Uh, We'll talk about that. It's totally cool that he's not here, just like I said yesterday. So we'll go over his rehab because while we don't need to deal with some of the other stuff we did learn a little bit and that's a good thing so now we know a little bit more about his injury and his recovery so i'll give you guys that update and then all about adjustments game two let's see how this series unfolds so yesterday we had a minor eruption on twitter over demarcus cousins and his whereabouts and this is maybe a little more sensitive than it would be otherwise in the wake of the stuff with Kawhi leonard which is such a different animal that i don't think it's right to even try and compare the two between each other so demarcus cousins his manager andrew rogers tweeted out and inst- not tweeted had an instagram photo of them on a private plane with their dog looking all snazzy and there's jumpsuits and everything and the male romper that was like a full body suit it was actually quite stylish and was a very coach cello looking outfit and that in the uh, caption in there it mentioned something about a mixtape dropping at Coachella and so people assume Cousins was just getting on a plane heading to the music festival and everything and that's why he wasn't at the Pelicans game the other day there's a number of reasons why he wasn't at the Pelicans game the other day which we'll touch on in a moment here but so people thought well that's not right he should be with the team whatever whatever no one should really care about this and it turns out that it was DeMarcus Cousins heading to Las Vegas where he has an offseason home and is going to be continuing his recap there and the biggest thing if you want to just skip the rest of this section and jump to the next one where we start talking adjustments because this is such a silly topic in the first place is that he's rehabbing six days a week and he's doing this back in Las Vegas uh, where he has a home. Simple as that. He had a, a Snapchat picture today of him working out and rehabbing the ankle so that he can be back and hopefully better than ever, even though it'll be like 85% of what he was next season. That's the big story here. But of course, people need to overreact to everything on both sides of this. So If there's any lesson to be learned from this, and there probably isn't other than, again, now we know his rehab schedule, and that just tells us a little bit, and we're not doctors. We don't really know how he's progressing or anything like that. We won't for a long time, probably. They're going to be private with that sort of thing. It's that you shouldn't try and get news off of Instagram photos from people associated with one of your favorite players. That's the biggest thing here. That's kind of how this got all spiraled out of control. Guy posts a photo on Instagram. It doesn't need to be shared otherwise, and you don't need to pull it from that and tweet it out and do all of that. That's 
not something we need to do. It's led to situations like this. We've had other instances in the past, last season with this, with Drew Holiday's wife having an eye patch that was shared on Solomon Hill's, I think, then girlfriend, fiance, wife, I'm not sure, her Instagram. And it, it doesn't need to get shared and it doesn't need to be news. We don't need to tie it into our coverage of the Pelicans. It's as simple as that. But, and I'm going to tell you this right now, if you think he should be with the team or it's wrong that he's not, and again, this is different than the Kawhi Leonard situation, you're wrong. It's as simple as that. Try being six foot 10, six foot 11, seven foot, and having to sit while you need to elevate your leg behind the bench of a team. There's not room there to do that. If you've ever sat courtside or been near the Pelicans bench, those seats are crammed and there's not much wiggle room whatsoever. So if you're his, a man of his size, you're not going to just sit there for two or three hours and it's an away game. So you likely don't have a box in Portland where you can kind of sit and be comfortable. And even then, that's still not an ideal situation. DeMarcus Cousins said he was glued to the TV during the game Saturday night. We know he watched. We know he played, paid attention. And he's probably going to watch some game film of it, too, to try and keep himself mentally you know, ready to go and everything as he tries to get back to being physically ready to go. So the, the other thing, and this was, I think, tweeted out by Keith Smith, made a very, very good point. And that's he's not in New Orleans rehabbing because right now everyone's traveling with the team to Portland. All of their resources are right now devoted to winning this series, making sure the guys in Portland are well recovered from anything they might have picked up, any nicks or what have you, in the game on Saturday night. So they don't have the guys to work out with DeMarcus Cousins here in New Orleans either. You know, he's got his own crew that he wants to rehab with, and that's fine too. We've seen that done a number of times from a number of different players um, throughout years here in the NBA. So this is a non-story. The biggest thing, like I said, six days a week. That's the DeMarcus Cousins injury rehab schedule right now. Good for him for hitting it hard. Obviously, he wants to be back and he's going to be doing every single thing he can. So non-story here. This was just stupid all around and has nothing that we even need to talk about whatsoever. If he wants to go to Coachella, doesn't matter. He's probably still going to rehab there too if he were. So it's okay. There's nothing really going on and this has just been blown out of proportion. So with that in mind, after the reset here, let's talk about some adjustments. So before getting to adjustments, don't forget, listen to Locked On NBA five days a week now. I host the Wednesday edition, so you'll hear me tomorrow, along with another edition of Locked On Pelicans. Catch up on what's going on in the playoffs here in the NBA. Had some blowouts. We had some tight games. Who's looking good? Who might be moving on to advance? We'll got you covered with everything you need to know at Locked On NBA. So let's start with Portland and what they might do a little bit differently and what their mindset going into this game is. And from talking with people in Portland, the Trailblazers seem to feel pretty good about this series and actually feel okay after what happened in game one. Obviously, they're upset. They don't want to lose. That's a, that's a no-brainer here. But this was shared by Kevin Pelton of ESPN on Twitter yesterday. You know, the Blazers did shoot really poorly. And Kevin Pelton pointed out that they had a 59.9, or sorry, a 54.9 uh, quantified shot quality. Basically, it's the E field, the expected E field goal percentage of all the looks that they had based off of of who was shooting them and who was defending them. This is available per second spectrum, which does a lot of the player tracking data. And these aren't numbers that are publicly available. You need to either have a, a subscription or be one of the ESPN guys. I don't even have access to this kind of stuff and I can see a whole good bit. That was the best that any team of all the eight that played on Saturday had beating out the Warriors. And so Portland looks at this and they go, well, 
we just shot poorly and we just didn't hit them, but we had good looks. We should have done much better and we only lost by a few. So you have to feel kind of good if you're them going into this game, if you're looking for positives. So the Pelicans do have some things they need to try and change and adjust. And we'll talk about that. I don't think this is as big of a deal as what the numbers seem to say. A lot of those shots were guys like Evan Turner and Al Farouk Aminu on the perimeter, and the Pelicans will live with that every single day. If you leave a game and it goes, well, it was because of Aminu and Turner that we lost, you're going to be like, well, there's not much more we could have done if those two guys just happened to get hot because we contained Lillard and McCollum. So New Orleans feels okay about this too, but Portland's going to try and keep shooting and they're going to keep trying to generate some of the similar looks that they had while getting McCollum and Lillard going a little bit more. I think you're going to see a little bit more motion to their offense. Portland has a lot of isolation plays and McCollum and Lillard really take the majority of the shots. And a lot of it has to do with them just kind of dribbling at the top, either pulling up for three if you put a shorter defender on them, or they drive, you collapse a little bit and they back off, they take a step back and they hit an open mid-range jumper, an open three, or a decent look at the rim if they can blow by you. That is this Portland offense a lot. And because McCollum and Lillard are so good, it's a decently effective offense. Not as good as the Pelicans are, but it's kind of what they do. So that's going to be the first thing that they try and do is maybe try and generate a little bit more space for McCollum and Lillard and see if that opens up the offense a little bit more. You're going to expect Nurkic to try and get a little bit more active as well. 11 points for him. They want him to score a little bit more to keep kind of the pressure on Anthony Davis defensively, make him do a little bit more work or try and take advantage of maybe the, the physicality mismatch between Nurkic and Miritich or whoever's defending Nurkic. Mirtich did a very good job defensively the other night. Again, four blocks, double-digit rebounds. You can't ask for much more than that from him. But Portland's going to look to try and keep things going a little bit more offensively. I think if you run, you know, McCollum and Lillard past some screens more, maybe stagger screens, you can kind of generate some easier looks for them, even though they might not be used to doing that. But again, they can dribble around the perimeter. They can uh, dice and attack. So I think it'll be an okay situation if they try and do that. The plus side of that is you might get Drew Holiday off of one of them, and then you might tire Holiday out as he's fighting through screen after screen, which makes him less effective on the offensive end and the defensive side of the ball as well. Defensively, there's a couple of really easy things that you'll see Portland try and change, and that's one, trying to find a way to answer Anthony Davis. You saw them go with Ed Davis at times on him. They started with Al Farouk Aminu. They put Nurkic on him, and none of those work. We've seen the monster stat line that Anthony Davis put up in that game. Whatever Portland tried, it didn't work, and they threw a number of different guys one-on-one with him. You're going to look to see them trap him and get the ball out of his hands because they cannot afford to give up a monster performance like he had the other night. Look for a double team, whether it's one of the bigs and one of the guards trying to trap him and at least get the ball out of his hands for someone else to beat you. Yeah, Drew Holiday can, and he did, and we're going to talk about that in just a second here, but at least get it into Rondo's hands, into Etwan Moore's hands. And again, when we look at this game from the New Orleans side and say, well, it wasn't Lillard or McCollum beating him, that's a good thing. Portland's going to look at that and be like, well, is anybody other than Anthony Davis does it, we're cool with that. That's what they're going to try and do. I expect to see a lot of traps whenever he gets the ball, double teams, trying to body him up physically while having another guy try and swat the ball away and force him to make a pass. He's not the best passer when he's double or triple teamed. We've seen that. And that can lead to some turnovers, which is what Portland's going to be looking to do. This is a team that plays the odds when it, and the percentages when it comes to defense. They'll let you shoot bad shots, just like New Orleans does. If they can force some extra turnovers, and they're going to have to because they played the odds last on Saturday night and it didn't work. They're going to be a way more aggressive whenever he has the ball and try and get out of his hands. Now, 
Davis is so good that you can't just do that, and it's much easier said than done. So I think, you know, be be cool, New Orleans fans. It should be all right. But that's going to happen here, and it's going to be up to the coaching staff for New Orleans to get Anthony Davis the ball in more creative situations. And finally, the Trailblazers need to get some help on the wing. You know, Drew Holiday killed them when they ran a three-guard lineup between Lillard, McCollum, and Shabazz Napier, and he abused Napier because that's who they had defending him. They kind of hid Lillard and McCollum on other guys to make their lives easier. They're decent defenders. They're having some of the best defensive seasons of their career, but let's not mistake Lillard for a lockdown defender or anything like that. And you don't want him to have to chase Drew Holiday around all over the place, potentially using up his energy by running through screens, different things like that, or trying just to keep up with the guy and have him less effective on offense because of that. That's a thing that gets very real in the playoffs here. So look for them to maybe go away from the three-guard lineups a little bit more. Maybe try and go bigger on the wing against the Pelicans. You can potentially get a size advantage there when you run Evan Turner at that three or maybe someone else in there as well and go with two guards in the backcourt versus three because when they went small, it was pretty bad. That wasn't a good look for them and you saw that's when Drew Holiday really took advantage. Good news for Portland, bad news if you're New Orleans, is Mo Harkless might be coming back sooner rather than later. Maybe you'll see him in game three or four of this series, maybe both. And he's been practicing. He's been out on the court. You saw a video of him today. He looked pretty good. They desperately need him because they need something more effective on the wing because the, what New Orleans wants to do is very obvious. Get the ball out of Lillard. Get the ball out of McCollum and give it to Evan Turner. Give it to Aminu. Give it even to Nurkic. And let them try and beat you. If you can get Harkless, who can score and be a very effective wing player and now punish you when you try and hide one of the worst defenders on the wing, the Pelicans hit Rondo on Turner a lot. And it worked into baiting him to shoot. That's not going to work when Harkless is out there and you have Rondo defending him all of a sudden things are a little bit different and it forces the Pelicans to try and match us and figure out a new defensive rotation because that's something that can potentially change the series we don't need to worry about that here in game two but games three and four that's going to potentially be a concern and one of the biggest things that could impact this series as we get further and further into it so before looking at the New Orleans side of things, and despite winning game one, there's a lot they can change. Make sure you check out LockedOnPelicans.com to game one. We got the previews up there right now. Still kind of looking at the series. A lot of that's still very, very relevant because you saw things kind of creep up there that we were really concerned about and how the Pelicans can counter it. But also because we got stuff about Alvin Gentry and we're happy with Gentry because he did a very good job here in game one managing the timeouts to give guys rest that I talked about yesterday. So make sure you give it a read over at LockedOnPelicans.com. So New Orleans and what they need to do to adjust and win game two. This is basically a must-win game for Portland in this series already in game two at home. They're going to come out with a lot of intensity and really try and win this game as they should. It's the playoffs. Duh. New Orleans is got to need to match that and they've got to be ready because Portland is going to bring it and you're not going to be able to go in with the same game plan and expect to win the game. The Pelicans first and foremost need to cut down on some of the turnovers. Portland isn't a fast team. They try and grind things out a little bit in the half court but if you're going to gift them possessions off of turnovers as we saw New Orleans do you know they're going to get out and they're going to run and they actually had the lead in fast break points in that game more so than New Orleans who does run and wants to do that can't let them do it don't give them easy points as Pelicans defense is very good in the half court 
funneling guys in transition. Don't give wide open, easy looks to Lillard and some of the other players. And I think that also partially inflates that number that we talked about, the quantified shot quality there. That some of that has to do because they were playing in transition more than they're used to doing. So first and foremost, you got to do the same thing you did defensively with Drew Holiday and each one more out there. Each one more did a really, really good job defending CJ McCollum. And he's not, you know, the best defender in the world, but he's serviceable and put forth just a tremendous effort when you rewatch that game. Look at where he is. Ian Clark, for all that he did well offensively, and I think he's okay defensively, looked a little bit lost at times. And Lillard doesn't mind shooting over a shorter defender like that. So that's something to keep in mind as well. Maybe you need to go with fewer three-guard lineups as well, potentially, and try and get a little more Solomon Hill in there to just kind of keep Ian Clark in the right lineup with, say, Drew Holiday, where you can put him on McCollum instead of Lillard, or you can hide him on a wing player. Something like that, I think, is going to be very, very important to see or get them out there with Holiday and more. Another thing you might see, and this de- might depend if Portland goes big and stays big or not, or if they keep going back to that three-guard lineup, but I think you might see some tweaks a little bit to the rotation. I had a lot of people ask me, where was Emeka Okafor in there when you do give up 15 offensive rebounds and 21 second chance points? And I don't know if he's still the right answer, but maybe you see Emeka Okafor running with the second unit alongside Czech Diallo out there with Ian Clark and Darius Miller and someone else, because that that's really where there was a lot of damage done. You can look at each one, or not each one more, Ian Clark's plus minus, and he was minus 11, the worst on the team. And a lot of that came with minutes with Rajon Rondo out there, but that had to do when they were running the second unit together. And that's where Portland has a very big advantage in the front court. You've got Zach Collins, you've got Ed Davis, you've got Pat Connaughton out there who kind of have a size advantage over New Orleans. And that's where you saw a lot of offensive rebounds and most of Portland's second chance points come from. It wasn't when Anthony Davis was out there. It was when the second unit was out there. That's going to be a big deal. You need to try and corral that so that that offense for Portland doesn't really get those easy points when normally they'd be struggling to score because those guys aren't that great, although Ed Davis is pretty awesome. Collins is still rookie. is so-so. So you've got to try and take advantage and just slow them down then. You're not necessarily looking to put up a ton of points with that with the Pelicans' second unit. You just want to prevent Portland from taking the advantage there. I think maybe you can do that with more Mecca Okafor out there with the rim protection, with the defensive rebounding that he can provide there. That's maybe something you look to see them do. That also might mean that Anthony Davis can get a couple more minutes on the bench here or there. He played 40 in game one. That's a concern. You could see him very tired by the end of it. And yes, there's two days off in this series, but fatigue in a game, not just after a game going into the next one, is a very real thing. Him and Miritich were exceptionally, exceptionally tired in the fourth quarter. That's why Alvin Gentry kept those two timeouts instead of calling one in that five to four minute period when Portland went on the 14-0 run. He needed to save those to keep Anthony Davis fresh in that game. If he doesn't take some of those timeouts there, who knows if Anthony Davis hits those four free throws if he has tired legs and that's a big part of it that if he maybe doesn't get some of that rest that extra minute and a half to two minutes that he would have had he could potentially miss one of those and things might be a little bit different today but overall there really isn't a ton that you want to change if you're New Orleans just the little things cut down turnovers and again keep Evan Turner shooting and those guys and let them beat you and if they do 
you just kind of shrug and say, okay, let's move on to the next game because we executed the game plan that we wanted. We kept the ball out of Lillard's hands. We kept it out of McCollum's hands and we forced other guys to do it. And if those guys step up, hey, give them credit and then move on because they're not going to do it every single game. I think, you know, if you're New Orleans, you want Portland to look at this game film and say, yeah, man, we just missed some shots. If Turner hits a couple of those, we win. Good. Let Turner hit those shots. That's exactly what you want to do. They basically neutralized Nurkic out there for a good chunk of it. Again, the offensive rebounding and the second chance points came with that second unit out on the court. That's a big thing that it didn't occur when Anthony Davis was out there. And when they do grab an offensive board, his rim protection is so good. And I told you guys this number the other day. He defended the rim. Five of 11 is what Portland shot against him at the rim. That's under 45% or sorry, slight under 46%, whatever it is. It's like 45% which is well below the league average of right around 60 in those situations. That's very good. You want that. And Portland's scared to go at the rim because of it, forcing them to settle for bad jumpers that they don't want. And hey, cool. They'll take them if they're open, but they're not going to make those a ton. So I'm happy with kind of what you saw. If you just tweak the rotation a little bit, find what's going to work exactly the right lineup combinations. I think you're going to see potentially New Orleans win this and really take a stranglehold on this series. But Portland's Portland. They've got their backs to the wall, and this is a must win. And usually in these situations, you see that home team there avoid going down 0-2 and, and just going 1-1. One and, one. and I think New Orleans will look at that and say, well, that's good. That's what we want. We're okay. So even if they lose, and right now they're six-and-a-half-point dogs because people realize how heavy Portland's going to come out tonight, it's going to be an interesting one. And I think New Orleans has what it takes to get it done. But again, these type of situations, you can kind of throw out some of the logic behind it because you just know how Portland's going to play and the crowd behind them like that. And maybe they're a little more confident than they should be, and that could come back to bite them if you're Portland. And New Orleans needs to be ready to take advantage, but just not a lot to change. They executed the game plan, and you have to be happy with everything that you saw. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Those are the adjustments both teams are expected to make that they maybe need to make, and we'll see if the Pelicans can counter. It's like we said in the preview for everything. It's a real big chess match here, and it's going to be really interesting to see what these two teams do to kind of counter one another now that we've gotten game one out of the way. Hopefully Anthony Davis leads the team. Hopefully Drew Holiday plays the same amount of defense that he did, or even better, even though that's going to be tough to do. And if they do, this Pelicans team might be coming back home to New Orleans for their game Thursday up 2-0 but even at 1-1 you're in a very good position you just have to defend home court at that point and New Orleans is going to have a packed crowd at the Smoothie King Center and it's going to be loud on Thursday so I cannot wait so enjoy the game tonight hopefully the Pelicans get a win as always I'm your host Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter I'll be back with you all tomorrow to recap the game 